Hey mama, stop what you're doing right now and join my birth classes. It is open enrollment and it's a special one because we have added some extra new bonuses just for you. And hint, hint, don't forget that insurance may reimburse you and you can also use your HSA or your FSA to pay for birth classes. So it's a no brainer. If you join this week, you're gonna get not only a huge discount by using the code BIRTHQUEEN, all in caps, cause you know you are, but you're also going to get six or seven bonuses. Bonus number one, you're gonna get 30 days free in my mama membership, which is where all the magic is happening. After 30 days, you can leave us if you want, boo hoo. Or you can stay with us for 19 a month. And some of my mamas stay with me for years, if that tells you anything. You're also gonna get bonus number two, which is my newborn academy. Bonus three, the birth coach class. Bonus four, the postpartum recovery roadmap class, along with some other bonuses. And if you join by Friday night at midnight, you're gonna get my birthing waves, which is a brand new course and it's guided meditations for labor and beyond. Brand spanky new and I'm so excited to welcome you in. Don't forget, we hang out with all of our students every Wednesday. We have a pregnancy hangout via Zoom where you get to see my face and my doulas every single Wednesday. I'll see you on the inside. Go to labornursemama.com forward slash the word calm, C-A-L-M, labornursemama.com forward slash calm. I'll see you on the inside. My name is Trish Ware, and I am obsessed with all things pregnancy and birth and helping you to navigate both the practical and the magical seasons of this journey called motherhood. I'm an all-day coffee-sipping mama of seven and labor and delivery nurse who took her expertise in the labor room and turned it into an online one-stop shop for mamas looking for powerful education and support. I've had the amazing privilege of delivering many babies in my 15 plus year career as a labor and delivery nurse and as a mama of seven. I'm here to help you take the guesswork out of childbirth so you can make the choices that are right for you and your baby and write the birth story of your dreams. So hit subscribe and let's replace your anxiety and fear with complete confidence. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not replace your medical advice. Check out our full disclaimer at the bottom of the show notes. Good morning, everyone. I am so excited about today's episode on the birth experience. I have one of my students who's so near and dear to my heart. She's been with me the longest. She's been hanging out with us since November of 2020, I believe. I believe that's right. Yeah, maybe October, uh, officially. Yeah, October you joined, but I think we yeah. started the first happy hour in November of 2020. So this is my student, Gina. She is one of our VBAC Lab students. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so funny, you guys, because we're laughing because we hang out every Monday on our happy hour, but in this environment, it's just different. So here we are. So just relax, and we're going to go through just how you found us, like how you found Labor Nurse Mama, like what brought you to us, and just like you've shared with us your birth stories. So I guess the first thing would be, how did you find me and the VBAC Lab? 
I found, I'm trying to remember if I read the article first and then found you on Instagram or if I found you on Instagram and then read the article, but like the two, you wrote an article, I think it was Scary Mommy, right? Or yeah. who you wrote. And then you were like launching. I knew from the moment I had my C-section that I wanted to have a B-back. Right? So it was, and then I don't know how you came up, but it was like starting this new birth course, VBAC birth course. And I was like, oh, I'm not even pregnant yet, but I want to start this course. And then I think I messaged you, right? Like you were doing a message me if you want to get in, like we're going to have 15. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote to you and I was like, oh, like I'm not really pregnant yet, but does this work? And you were like, come join us. And then that's how it all like started. And I was the yeah. cool kid who like the only not pregnant person in the group. For I love it so much. So for those of you guys are like, what is she talking about? So when I launched the VBAC lab, what I did was I put my feelers out there to find out like, are people interested in this? And if so, I wanted to invite 15 people into my beta program and help me to create the VBAC lab. And I still laugh so hard because Danny tore me up with grammatical errors. And she was one of our beta students that I so appreciate. I'm pretty sure it was Danny. Every day it was I would Danny. Get... It was Danny. It was yeah. a combination. Like I would write you and she'd be like, oh, Danny already told me that. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Danny would send me this like breakdown email, like error here, mess up here, there, there. But it was really, it was such a good experience all around because we all got to know each other so well. And I think out of the 15 of you guys, maybe only 10 of you faithfully came to the happy hours. I think yeah. that's about right. Yeah, the yeah. first crew, I would say, yeah. Yeah. So Gina's been with us. We drove her crazy when she started to try to get pregnant. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is like our two-year anniversary, Trish. Oh, it is. Happy anniversary, Gina. <laughs> I love it. And I tell people all the time about you on my workshops. Like, I don't think I go through a workshop where I don't mention you and tell them how much I love the happy hours and how, like, we, yeah. like, those happy hours were our community through COVID. Like, they really were. Yeah. It was very strange, like, being pregnant and no one would know, right? Like, people you worked with didn't know. And, like, the... Even some friends didn't know if you weren't posting incessantly on social media. And so to have people who like were going through it together and like we were checking on each other and we all had this like one solid goal in mind. And it was really great to be unified in that because like no yeah. one else really got it. Like that's what's yeah. special about our VBAC group. Like no one else really gets where we're coming from. Yeah, I agree. I think that's why I love the happy hour hangouts so much and why I extended it to calm labor because originally I didn't do happy hours with my other students. But there is something even with the calm labor students, I've watched as some of the GDM moms like come together or we've got some moms that they may not be having a good experience with their provider or their partner or what have you. But I love it so much because it's such an open space where you can just be really real about what you're feeling, especially for my VBAC moms. Post-delivery, depending on what happens, it's also a safe place where someone else can really understand what you mean and how you feel. So I love it as well. So let's go to, why don't you tell everybody just a little bit about your first birth? My first birth. Okay, yes. I 
had a pretty typical pregnancy. There was nothing really special about it. I pretended I wasn't pregnant for a good nine months and did all the things and was healthy and fortunate to be healthy. And then at 41 on the dot weeks, my water broke, but it wasn't like theatrical in any way. It was just, oh, I wasn't sure. And so I went to my OB appointment like it was normal. And she was like, oh yeah, your water broke. Meet us at the hospital in a couple hours. And I was like, okay, cool. And I had contractions, but wasn't, I hadn't taken any kind of a birth course. So I was very confused about what it was supposed to be. And I felt like this was not what it was supposed to be. Like I went and had coffee with a friend and I was like in labor and (laughs) just very strange for a first time mom. And then I got to the hospital and I still was hanging out in labor. And at around eight o'clock, which was 12 hours from when, like I said, my water broke, but it was one of those things like it could have broken earlier. I wasn't really sure. They were like, hey, it's a start Pitocin because you're not really progressing the way we want and your water broke. They want to move things along. Okay, cool, fine. Pitocin without an epidural is quite painful. I'll just say I've done both ways and it's significantly more painful and basically was going through the night and I really wanted an unmedicated birth. I had this like fear of an epidural, which... I found out later was actually probably, I don't know, someone, some higher force telling me not to have an epidural, but fine. And had a really tough night, was contracting super frequently. They were really long, really intense. And none of the residents wanted to check me overnight. And they didn't want to move forward with anything. Like I didn't want pain meds until I knew how far along I was. And no one would tell me how far along I was. Which is so weird. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't know if it was just a nervous resident on call or what, but we get to the, yeah, I had a horrible overnight nurse. She was just nasty. And we get to the morning and I was like, the finally people starting to come. I was like, somebody needs to come and check me. It is morning time. And the nurse comes in and she goes, oh, SHIT, why was your Pitocin on? And I looked at her and I was like, ma'am. I cannot tell you why my and I told you this before remember like uh, yeah I it blows me away when I think about it like even just the fact that they were increasing your pitocin without checking you yeah and it was it wasn't even like she was meant to it felt like it was like a, a reaction she hadn't controlled I don't think she meant no to say for what sure she said. no I'm sure she yeah. didn't she was like and she was great because I had her the day like during the day so I knew I really liked her and she was as she ended up being like really great nurse and that happened and I was like you know what like everybody's talking to me in the room they're like your body's really not responding we should give you an epidural we know you want to go unmedicated and so they were respectful but like I had gotten to the point where we're now at our I don't know 22 and I was just like shot it was a really hard night and so I said okay I'll get the epidural and you don't even know this part Trish because Mike and I had this whole conversation like two weeks ago about what actually happened when I got the epidural because you know how I don't remember So for anybody, nobody knows me, but my husband works in the medical field. So he knows how to read all these things that are happening on the monitors and everything. And I didn't know how close I came to a code. Like Mike told me, he was like, I was preparing myself to walk out of the hospital by myself. And I never, he said, he hadn't called. And for a doctor to say that, that's like something, right? That's something really scary. And for me, I didn't, I was so out of it. So I got the epidural. And about a few minutes later, I just, I remember saying, oh, I feel funny. And I, and then things just go blank. I don't really know. I like have this picture of a lot of people ran into the room and then I was on all fours and then I was on my side, but 
Mike has filled, my husband, I should say, has filled in. So you're, you dropped and then baby dropped. So that's why they got you on your hands and knees. So I, my blood pressure dropped significantly. Um, and my husband told me the number recently. I don't remember, but it was low. Like it was scary low. And there were like 15 people in the room. The head of anesthesiology was in the room. They had, and they brought me back. They brought us both back, but it was like a scary moment. And then I ended up like progressing really quickly after the epidural. So whatever they were thinking about my body, they were right, except for the fact that that whole thing happened. And so now we get to pushing and it's okay. I've had a little minute to relax and rest and now we're going to go. And they put me in that Just a little near death experience. No big deal. Now I'm ready to push. (laughs) Right. Now we're ready to push. And I, I was ready to push. I was like, let's get this kid out. I'm done. We're hour 32. I'm done. And, um, so I start pushing and I just kept feeling like I wasn't doing it. Like it just, nothing felt like anything was happening. I was on my back the whole time. At this point I've been pumped with fluids. I'm like super exhausted. My body is like totally swollen and I didn't get to labor down. I, all these things I didn't know about right before our VBAC lab. Like I didn't know about what you're supposed to do. No peanut ball. I was just pushing on my back the whole time. And then finally, they're like, he's sunny side up. Your temperature is right. Well, of course he is because- <laughs> Oh, wait, the back pain. How, I didn't even mention the back pain. Well, and how, like, I'm listening to your story again, even though I've heard it, but it's it's been a couple years yeah. since I've heard it. And just hearing it again and knowing the outcome, I'm hearing, like, so much. Like, even just getting to the hospital- when you did, and then more than likely being confined to the bed or what oh, have totally you. totally confined. They wouldn't let me leave the bed. Yeah. And then them over-medicating the Pitocin, which really just forced him into the position he was in down into your canal. Right. It didn't give him the natural, like you didn't have the chance to move around in that natural process of movement. You guys hear me, movement and gravity, which allows the baby to get into right, proper positioning. Yeah. And the back you know? pain, which is typical, right, of OP babies, um, I, I thought that was what labor felt like. I thought it was supposed to be like that. It was this. Did you have that from the very beginning of when your labor or once they started augmenting? No, once the Pitocin started is when it, because yeah. I also like, no one had said anything about the position to me. I had an ultrasound like that morning. So I don't know what happened, but he was in a bad position and I felt it in my back and I just thought that's what labor was. But I just remember screaming all night, like my back, like it felt like it was ripping in yeah. half. Which an experienced nurse should have realized that and helped you get into good positioning yeah. to get the baby into Right, especially because I had like, no epidural. I mean, I was, it was, yeah. Hey, yeah, so it's so maddening. We go forward and the OB is in the room and she's been pushing for three hours. I think he might be OP. And I was looking back, I'm like, anyway, and... So she's like, your temperature is rising. At this point, I'd been, my water had been broken for 30 something hours, right? So they said, if you get to a fever, which you're getting close to a fever, we are going to have to put him in the NICU. And I said, you know what? Take me. Like, I'm not, after all of this, I really don't want to be like worrying about my kid in the NICU. So we went to C-section. There was another like half hour, 45 minutes until I got into the OR. And that's like when it got... For me, like there was the overnight, which was really painful and bad. But like in my head, I was like, this is labor. This is like the trial. This is okay. And then I didn't really know what was happening during the epidural. So like, I wouldn't even call that part of the trauma. Once we got to the OR, 
I had that experience where you can't swallow from the block. Mm -hmm. I was like suffocating and dying. And the, and the anesthesiologist who's also a resident was like, oh, you're fine. You're totally fine. You can breathe. And I was like, I'm telling you, I can't, I can't help me. Give me, a, I said, can you get suction? Like I need something. I'm choking on my own spit. So fine, do that. And then we get to the C-section, which I'm the kind of person which this didn't really bother me, but the way the lights were facing, I actually, the mirror on the lights, I could see the whole thing. I remember this. Yeah. yeah. So for me, that's a good thing. But like for someone else, that might not have been. And he came out and he was all gray and not crying and it was scared. Oh, but except for the vag hand, that was pain. So then they had the person had to come in and push him back up because he had gotten so stuck. Yeah, and, I had to do um, that so many times. Yeah. And so that was, I felt, felt that a little bit. and then. He came out. He was gray. It was scary. Finally, he's good. And then they wouldn't let me hold him. Like, it was a hospital policy. You're not allowed to hold your baby in the OR. And I was, like, I was so upset. I was just, like, so upset. Everything that I had wanted had gone in my head, except for the healthy baby, had gone wrong, right? So I was just – so, you know, my husband held him, which was good. And then it was, like, over an hour later, I get into recovery – and I got to hold him and we had a little bit of challenges. So bizarre to me, right? Like when you really hear that out loud, you think you're not allowed to hold him in the OR, but you can't? I can't? It was just can? wild. Ugh. Yeah. Sense. And it was just like, I don't know. He had trouble breastfeeding, the recovery. I didn't. So basically then I get out, right? And I'm so swollen from all this stuff they'd been pumping me with. I didn't fit into my pants. I didn't fit into my maternity pants. I didn't fit into my husband's pants. I was wearing his scrubs home and flip-flops. Nice. I was, I was bigger yeah. leaving the hospital than when I got into the hospital. Which doesn't do well to your mental well-being. No. And also just like I couldn't – I didn't walk for three weeks because my knees weren't like bending properly and the – it just like spy. Now it's funny, like now talking about it versus even like a year or two years talking about it, it actually is not as like I used to talk about it and I would become physically like I feel it physically. Mm -hmm. Now I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah. Which I is love good. that. Can, yeah. I can, and I can tell the difference from when the first time you shared it with us yeah. and just the emotions. And I, that's part of processing your grief. And that's why I put that in the VBAC lab. It's so important to walk through that and figure out your triggers. And I'm listening to your story. And of course, doing what I do, I always say you don't know what you don't know. But I've added into my workshops and stuff that you don't know your option or if you don't know your options there aren't any and that is the truth and that like I'm listening to your story and there's so many times where I know you and I know what you know now and I know exactly what you would have done and when you would have done it because I know it that's one thing that I teach you guys to be able yeah. to do is to know those pivotal points even I just yeah his second birth was like a totally you wouldn't even think it was the same mom in the room, right? Yeah. The, so basically, I was they were rolling me in. And one of like my quote unquote conditions for my C-section, as if I had a choice, really, but I was like pretending right. I still had control. And I was like, you're going to cut me so I can have a V-back. Right? That was the thing as they were rolling me out. And she was like, no, worries. that was one thing that I was like, this is not going to happen to me twice. Yeah. Spoiler alert, it did. But not by someone else's designer choice. No. It that, was, yeah. That's important. Yeah. So what I'm so interested in is so being where I am now after working in labor and delivery for so long 
and then now educating, it still is mind boggling to me that someone would go into something like childbirth and wing it. And even hearing you say that you wanted to go unmedicated, but yet you did no training for it is mind boggling. Well, I was told that birth classes were useless by my OB practice. I was told it was a waste of time. He goes, one of the doctors, every, like a lot of the practices, you see yeah. everybody in the practice. So I was seeing someone one particular day who actually, he was like the partner. He was the big shot in the practice yeah. and very nice guy. Like I have nothing against him, but we're talking about, I'll give, he's, oh, I'll give you these pamphlets, but really you're going to walk in. The nurse is going to tell you what to do. And it's a waste of $300. And I was like, okay, what am I going to, yeah, it's a waste of $300. Why do I want to wait? I don't have money. I'm about to have a kid. I don't need money. Yeah. Why don't I waste $300? Yeah. So I'll tell you from my side and you know me, I get fired up about certain topics. And this is one that I get very fired up about because, and this is just the truth y'all. And that's what you get from me when you hang out with me. I'm very blunt and very open. And I've told you all that there's probably a America's most wanted poster of me on every labor and delivery unit now. But the truth of the matter is, it's really difficult for us as the birth professionals. And I say us in quotes, because I don't consider myself this way. But it's very difficult for us when we have a mom who comes in and is educated and knows what she wants. Because it's very, it's not so convenient for you. And so it really frustrates me because it is the general consensus that you're that patient. But see, or and I would actually, you know? I would challenge what you're saying because I think. This is why I love my girls. <laughs> <laughs> because the second time I went in, when I knew what my stuff and I knew what I wanted, I think I was actually a better patient than the headstrong person I was the first time who did not know enough. But you're challenging what I'm saying is going on with you, but I'm telling you what's going on with the providers. Right. And the but staff. I think the providers liked me better when we at least could, like, I was still a pain in the butt the first time because I wanted things, but I had no reasoning behind us. They were fighting me, <laughs> but I had nothing to stand on. I was just this stubborn P-I-T-A. But the yeah. second time, at least I could have an open discourse with people. Well, Gina, I'm older. So I'm <laughs> sitting here going P-I-T-A. <laughs> what is this? Anyway, I got it. But so I would say there's, there is a twofold because really, in all honesty, it's not. It's, so this is a flip side. And I, 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 battle in my own brain because I've sat there at the nurse's station when nurses are bitching, because you can swear if you want, about women who have a birth plan because they feel like, oh God. Oh, yeah, I hear but what you're to, saying. But to me, I'm so thankful because that means she did her due diligence and she knows what she wants and she's an educated patient. So I don't understand the whole thing. From a provider standpoint, like, a lot of providers are very much have this God complex or this, I need them to blindly follow me because I know, but they're seeing it as like a medical ex procedure and birth is a natural process. So it is, it's a weird thing because I know a lot of providers who are not that way. I know a lot of nurses who are not that way, but the majority that rules, they are more what your doctor said, you come in, the nurse will tell you everything to do. But the bad thing is, there's a couple of bad things about that, is that she may not 
value the same things you do. Right. Why right, would you right. want to do what she wants for your birth? And the other thing about that is if all hell is breaking loose on labor and delivery, you may not see your nurse for a minute if she's running back and forth. So it is. But anyway, that could be a whole nother episode. So no matter what, you guys, those of you who are listening, I am begging you to not wing your birth, to not go into it without knowledge, because knowledge is power. Anyway, so now you've come to the VBAC lab. I've made you're, all my new friends. Yeah, got pregnant. Yes, blew up my spot on a Zoom with 10 people. <laughs> and yeah, so I had a, the unique experience of joining before I was pregnant. So I saw like all these success stories and then a couple not successful, but and success I say in air quotes, right? Because we I don't really think of it as like a failed birth, right? Even if, but yeah, so like these successful VBACs, a couple of people had repeat C-sections and just like watching everybody through that. And then I became like, the veteran, right? As like new people were joining and I got to develop these relationships with all these women, one across the country, because we were like all these virtual hangouts. The world. And yeah, like and the Mary- world. We had like all yeah. over. I think Miriam. Miriam, was she in Bahrain? Yeah. Or, I think I'm so. trying to remember because I have a, okay, yeah. And yeah. so just like really great to hear from other people's perspectives, what other people in other parts of the country have to face with their providers versus what I was facing with mine and failing your first glucose test and then we all went through that together and it just like it was a really great space to come every week and talk about what was going on and how we were going to like get to this goal together and then of course we go through the 10 months because it's really 10 months and it was like it was on Halloween my I started getting contractions trick-or-treating with my toddler and it was early so I was like oh I came on the VBAC happy hour and you were like drink some water loser (laughs) (laughs) I did not call her loser. Let's just interject to you. No, there was no loser, but that's how I felt. I was like, wow, I'm really need to step it up with this. So I hydrated and I got a few days later and then- Because you were, what? how many weeks were you? I was like just barely 38 weeks. So we were trying- But I think some stuff was happening prior to 38 weeks, if I remember correctly. Well, I started contracting on Halloween and then it was like that- three or four days, like I was yeah. not feeling okay. good and I would like really have contractions and they would stop. And then at night it was like really bad. And I lost my mucus plug, like all these things where I was like, okay, we're getting closer, but it still felt like I didn't the first time, like I was having contractions, but I felt good. Like I wasn't feeling good. So that's why I was like upping my water intake and things like that. And then the morning, like very wee in the morning, November 4th, my water broke and it was this was the theatrical I was like okay we're going this is it I always wanted that I'm always so envious of those of you guys who got that because I always wanted that movie a water breaking it was like a little unsettling like at first so I woke up and I was like it feels a little funny feels a little wet and then I called my doctor and I was on the on call and I was like, I think this is what happened last time. And he was like, all right, you should come in. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to take a shower because I don't know what they're going to let me do once I walk into the hospital. And in the shower, it was just like, and I was like, oh, what is this? And then I was like, oh, no, this is what's supposed to happen. This is what happened to Miranda and sex. And this, I know this. I've seen this. So, yes. Yeah, so and then we, and then of course, when you have a toddler, anybody who watched, Real Housewives, when Teresa Judice is like making her kids waffles for breakfast on her way to the hospital as she's in labor. That's what I was doing. 
was like making breakfast, call my parents, setting them up for the day. And my what about your contractions? How far apart were they? They were getting closer and closer. So we got to it was yeah, they were getting super close. I got to three minutes apart for and when by the time we actually left because my parents lived an hour away. So like we had to wait until they could get here to leave. And the hospital is like 25 minutes, 20 minutes away. So we get to the hospital and I was like in a pretty good spot. I was at every two to three minutes for a minute long, literally the textbook labor, the opposite of the first time. And I had finally rolled in. I had done a lot of it at home without even trying yeah. because of just the logistics. I had to do no, it's time. amazing how much you can get through yeah. when you're at home when you're distracted or whatever, it's really amazing. Like I teach that all the time to these girls that stay home. Yeah. And honestly, once I got to the hospital, like it really did change. It felt like it changed. Like your mind goes to a different place. I had a doula this time too, who was super critical. She was amazing. If you can afford a doula, get a doula because they just to have like, also take that burden off of you and your partner. She worried about the knee stuff and that he could just be supportive and not be like, all over the place like he was the first time. So we roll in and it really was, it was like once I got into the room, it became a very clinical, that was the only thing that wasn't great, right? Because I was a VBAC, I had to be constantly monitored. The number of times I got up to pee just so I could be allowed to move was- Oh yes, that's one of my girls right there. Um, yeah. I was like, oh, I have to I have to pee again. And I gotta poop like, now, I'm gonna stay in here for a right? while, sorry. <laughs> the nurse was like, you just, I, I have to go, I have to go. So I was doing a lot of back and forth to the bathroom, but it really did feel like once you have the monitors on, even if, and this hospital was a lot more, I don't know, relax, not relaxed, but like they let me do more than the first one did. I was, one was in the city and now we're in the suburbs and it's smaller and things are just different. And I, it just progressed. I, it was like eight hours and done. Like it progressed the way it should. I had I got an epidural at a certain point again, had another reaction to the epidural, but this one was not they knew what would hap- what happened the first time. So this time it was just like it's called Horner syndrome and my like half of my face like felt like I was having a stroke, but I wasn't having a stroke and it was totally fine. <laughs> but I just don't do well with epidurals is really they help me but they don't help me. So we got through that and then they had to turn the epidural off because of what had happened. So then I was like had gotten to 10 centimeters, which is what I wanted with the epidural and then it was off. So I got like the best situation that I could have had for myself. Um, And then it was eight hours done and they were like, you are ready to push. And I was like, this is great. This is like exactly what I wanted the first time I gave birth. Let's go, let's push. And, And they were moving me. One of the like nurses was like an experienced doula and she was on my side and she ended up staying like past her shift and the OB who was on call had like wanted a VBAC and didn't get a VBAC when she had her child. So like she was on my side and kept finding like the nurses kept kicking her out and she really wasn't protesting. Right. She was, Oh, I think I need to go check on this other patient. And and so we're pushing and we're pushing and my legs are doing things that I like couldn't do as a teenager. Like we are <laughs> like, I didn't even know your body could bend in the ways these nurses were like making me bend. And I'm texting yeah. Trish and I'm like, nothing is working. And we're pushing and then I'm getting more emotional because it, like it's starting to feel like, it's how triggering. can this happen again? Like yeah. how I had yeah. prepared for all of my triggers, except for like, I knew what my biggest fear going in was. I knew that my biggest fear going in was going to be that I was going to go through labor and end up back in an OR. 
but I was so convinced that like I could make that not happen. And we're on, okay, pushing for an hour. That's okay. If you'll push for an hour, I never really got all the way last time. Pushing for two hours. Okay, two hours. Now we're getting along, pushing for three hours. Everything was fine on the monitors. Like we weren't having any issues. Now we're like, now it's TikTok to the OB. As good as she is, like it's TikTok. And I had this one nurse on my side and she was just incredible. She was so incredible. And she kept saying, we're going to keep getting her out of the room. We can do this. Your numbers are fine. Your numbers are fine. And I was just exhausted. And we're, But I'm also like, you know me, I'm not going to, nobody's going to beat me. Come on. Yeah. I would have pushed for five days if they had let me, right? Oh God. And we get to hour four and the OB comes in and she's, you get one more hour and that is it. I will, I cannot let you, once you hit five, like the baby's not coming. So I just start bawling. I was like, there's no way this could happen again. What am I doing wrong? I don't even remember all the stuff I said. I was texting you the whole time. I was like, I cannot I know. believe yeah. this is happening to, to me. And I'm, I'm at home just I like told them, bawling. I was like, and the one nurse says, I understand it's really hard. I'm like, you don't understand. I've been preparing for this for over a year. Yeah. Like I was so mad and sad and you do not know how much I've done every Monday, every Monday, a year. I ate those dates. I drank the tea. Oy. I did yeah. all the things, right? Honestly, I did all the things. And finally, I got, they let me go to five hours and the OB came back and she said, she was like, that's it. Like, we're calling it. And I was like, I said, I want a clear drain. I had already had, right? We had prepped this. I had my C-section birth plan just in case it didn't go to plan. And they didn't have a clear drape, but she agreed to drop it. And the one nurse had, her shift was over (laughs) and she was still there and she held my hand the whole C-section. Her name was Esther. She was like, let me just interject a couple things here. For those of you guys who don't know, the majority of the time, and I've done this so many times, stayed over, they don't pay us. Oh, Esther probably was off the clock and invested and that's the type of labor nurse I want all of you guys to get yeah she was definitely not getting paid for this for sure yeah and then she did honestly the biggest gift that she gave me was she took my phone to the OR and she took those pictures of him basically being pulled out because I could see but it picture the angle right like you still have a belly you don't you don't like you can only see so high and the way your your neck is pushed forward. So she has, there's this one picture. And if it didn't gross people out, I would frame it and like jumbo size it on my wall. Right. But like she, it's him like half in half out coming. And it's just like the most, because C-sections are, can be often like so traumatic and so clinical. And they played my playlist like through the OR I got to see him, but then like that photo really is the epitome of all of this, right? Like I still got a birth. That is all C-sections are births. I shouldn't say it like that, but it felt to me the closest that I was going to get to the birth that I wanted. And I can see it in that photo. And like, you see me looking at him and he's coming out and he came out with a bang. I had to have another person push him back, right? Because he had another person that was stuck. And what ended up happening is I had what's called the Bendel's ring. So it's basically a like a, a scarring or contracture of your uterus that causes it to be more like an hourglass. So his head was through and his shoulders couldn't get through. 
And so that's mm-hmm. what he was doing for my little cone head was doing for five hours was like desperately He's trying. Like, Stop. Yeah. But he came out with a bang. He came out crying very different from his brother. He came out crying. He came out peeing on everyone. Every single person in that OR got peed on because he just nice. peed the whole way to the table. That's what you all get for right. making me go through that for five hours. And so basically the obese and the hard part of that birth was the way the block hit. Like I could still feel they had to reinsert the catheter and I could feel all of that. And like the movement of it, that was painful. That was, I would say that was painful, but like still nothing compared to the first time. Um, and it really felt even like when I think I have to remind myself that he was a C-section sometimes because the recovery was so different physically. I hadn't been pumped with junk like the whole time. And I don't even think I got Pitocin at all. So all these things that had made the first time so awful didn't happen this time. It was just a really like healing. I got, I ended up with a dural puncture and back in the ED to have a blood patch a couple of days later. So those headaches were probably the worst headaches I've ever experienced in my life. But all of that, all of that to say is like all these physical things went actually more wrong, right? Like I was in, I had done more pushing I had a toddler to take care of on top of it. I had a dural puncture. So I was like in excruciating pain for three days after. And yet, like I came out of it emotionally so much better because I was making the decisions the whole time. And I had a team that was on my side and I got, there was literally nothing I could have done. The kid was not coming out. Yeah. It reminds me too of, I think it was Krista's birth, same thing. And I love it because you experienced a labor. The only thing you didn't experience is him coming out of your vagina. But like you said, Esther's picture really was, I love because in happy hour, you said it was like you were able to see this baby come out of your body, which was for you to have that mind-body connection. And Esther's choice to do that has not only affected your birth, but so many of my students who have ended up having a cesarean because I added it into the cesarean class and I tell my the VBAC moms and calm labor moms like if you end up having a c-section this is what I've been told is I didn't changing, know that you know? yeah oh my yeah gosh. because I yeah because I didn't I never thought about it from that perspective that you being able how powerful it is for you to see the baby coming from your body and not all moms are capable of watching the cesarean happen. That might not be their thing. But I think all of them would be able to look at that picture afterwards. So I tell my girls, even if you think, I don't think I want to see that, have them take it. And if you're able, at some point, look at that picture. Yeah, it's like the most beautiful picture to me because it's just, it's a connection I didn't have the first time. And it's like a really special connection to have. And I'm even just, it's so funny because when I did the beta testing with you guys, I went into this thinking, the VBAC world, thinking that your biggest fear was uterine rupture. And 100% the biggest fear is doing all the work and ending up in the OR again. And what I see from my students who have gotten to labor and and gone through all that and then ended up having a repeat cesarean compared to my students because we have a couple students who didn't even get the chance 
Like they just had to have a repeat C-section. Right. I would say that fear, and I'm just saying, like that fear, do you feel like that's unfounded? Like you're glad you had that experience and you're glad you got to try and you're glad that you got to make the decision this time? I think that for the right person, like it's very important. Like I, the people who are going to join the VBAC lab for that person, yeah, I agree. Because had I not, tried I think the thing that the only thing that really made the second birth so hard is when they told me that the Bendel's ring could have been caused by the first c-section because to me then it's I thought I had gotten over that one but you're telling me that this fail could have failed because of the mismanagement the first time like that kind of hit me like a brick wall but had I not tried I think I would have looked at birth and my births like really really it would not have it would be hard to find the light. And like the second one, even though it didn't, it's not worth not trying if you want to try for that potential outcome, because it can be so much better the second time, even if it doesn't go the way you want. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm thinking even, did you, so you probably didn't because you're not exactly always obedient, but did you go back and listen to Cassie's podcast episode? Oh. I knew it. I messaged her and said, listen to it. Anyway, it's episode 34 for those of you guys okay, listening. Okay, but now I'm going to go back and, and listen to it. I really am because now so, it's out in the world. I'm going to go listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> She's been called out in public. So <laughs> what I love were you on the happy hour when Cassie shared her birth story from her repeat cesarean? No, but I watched, that's when I did watch the recording. It I was, watched. Yeah. it was hard. It was yeah. emotional. She was mad yeah. and like, she was really upset. We did the podcast recording and I end up in like stopping because I'm looking her like right now, Gina and I can see each other and I was watching her realize how amazing her birth story was with this repeat cesarean because she did the same she labored and she made the decision for the repeat cesarean you know how mad and i was two weeks after how mad yes, i, was. I, mean, I know. We talked i was angry yeah. yes six weeks i was really angry and i was angry because what they said to me about how it could have been caused by the mm -hmm. first c-section and i the same way yeah I, it, I, yeah I couldn't talk about it without crying every time i talked to you about it yeah. So for those of you guys listening, when I tell you guys that you have access to us or to me, now it's my team because now I have a doula as well. You can hear, you really do. And part of that is why we started the labor bat signal for exactly that same thing, because we want to help you navigate those emotions no matter because, you know, some of my mamas who get the vaginal delivery that they want, there's still so much to navigate. And so we we now offer that labor bat signal from 37 weeks to six weeks postpartum. And I was at home bawling through your birth. <laughs> I can remember exactly where I was sitting and how I was sitting and what I was feeling. It was like, we want, I say we, but it's, I don't know, like I have someone in my pocket, maybe Taylor and I, but Taylor and I both want this so much for you, but most, more important than anything, we want you guys to be educated and empowered and feel like it's you that's making the decisions. And that's really where the power comes from. And I wish I could just Oh, when I say to these first time moms, like, please don't wing your birth because 
someone else making decisions for you and you not knowing when you can change the course of your birth story can really affect you for the rest of your life. And I wish I could get that in their brains because I feel like they think, oh, she just really wants to sell me her birth class. But And I do, obviously, I want you to join my birth class, but I want you to be educated no matter where you're getting that education because it's right. just so important. Also, just like the nurse in the OR that day doesn't know you, doesn't, I mean, they, they're, they can be really good, but like they can't really know you. And the only way, that, what really speaks to how much that I learned in the class was you were texting me, do this, do that, do like the whole labor as it was going. And I was like, we did that. Like we tried that. It's not working. Yeah. We like we had, I had already checked off everything you were saying yeah. to do. Um, I was desperate, Gina. <laughs> I was desperate too. But it was I like, know. we, I had the tool, like I had it all. And that just speaks to like the course itself. Like I had the knowledge of a labor nurse in that room. We were trying. Yes, you do. And then I came back. Right. And so I was now, there were other people behind me who I'd spent all the time who were like waiting to have their babies. And then I came back and like, I don't want to like toot my own horn, but I think there are some like repeat C-sections that like really resonated with my story and were able to process their C-sections because of my C-section because like we all were in it. I talked through everything that I had gone through and I was crying on the call and other people are crying. Everybody's in it with you, right? So like the whole, all the girls were just like, they'd known I'd been doing this for a year. <laughs> everybody was devastated for me. If anybody was going to get this thing, it was going to be me. But I think I actually, the one thing that was good, like I, I can think of two people for sure right off the bat who like my C-section story the second time help them process their c-section oh i can think of hundreds okay because be just because of even just what you sharing like being real with me and like telling me the different things that helped you process this birth and feel satisfied with it in certain ways like i've been able to share with the girls in calm labor and this is what i tell all of you guys the VBAC lab calm labor i can't guarantee that you're going to get your vaginal delivery. I can't, right. obviously. Right. If there only you could. Legit, <laughs> yeah, there are legit reasons for cesareans. But what I can guarantee is that you are going to have the knowledge of a labor nurse. You're going to know what I know. If you do the class and you are in the membership and come to the happy hours, you're going to know what I know. And you're going to know that it was not done to you that you played a role in that decision. And I think that in itself is just healing. To not have to look back and go, what if I had done this? What if I said that? What if I had not let them do this or that or the other? Because each step of the way, you're this is okay. This is appropriate. Because I do teach you guys like what's convenient, what's done out of convenience, what is appropriate. And even when you were talking in the beginning about how you were that girl who you knew all that you wanted, but you really didn't know why, I even, as friendly as I am as a labor nurse and as much as I want a birth plan, I get blown away when I have someone hand me a birth plan and I'm like, oh, I see you're gonna, and they're like, they have no idea why they even put that on there because they just printed this pre-filled thing, checked off the boxes, but didn't understand what was on their birth plan. And I want you guys to know what, when, and why. When is this intervention appropriate? When is it not? Because I also tell you guys, you don't go in refusing just because you can. Like that is not okay either. You have to be safe. So if you don't have the education, of course you're going to let the providers make all the decisions for you. Why wouldn't you? Because you don't know. But and don't not, do that. You don't Please know don't how do that's that. going to affect you six months, a year, 
later because there were things that I didn't even process until we started like that whole trauma section in the beginning of the course right there were things I didn't even know I was like I don't have trauma like birth is just hard and then I was like going through it I was like oh my gosh no that was really scary that was really awful I didn't get to pick that that happened to me and I'd much rather be in a space where I'm like analyzing that than have it like come back in the delivery room the second time like how awful that that second birth yeah no yeah so for you guys listening And actually, I pulled that out and also put it at the end of Calm Labor Confident Birth because I want them to debrief their birth as well because there might be things inside their birth that we want to get rid of. But in the VBAC lab, we have at the beginning, we have a section where I walk them through debriefing their first birth story or their cesarean birth story and then figuring out your trauma your triggers, and then sharing that birth story. And I've had a lot of moms who are like, oh my gosh, I've never actually written all of it out. And I encourage you guys to write it out truthfully, not the way you think someone wants to hear, because that's one thing I've learned from all of you guys and spending my every week with you guys since 2020 is that a lot of times, and if you're listening and this is you, a lot of times we cater how we tell our story with this, I don't want to sound ungrateful or I right. want, I don't want to because my baby's healthy my baby's and I'm okay. healthy and I know that's all that matters. But I want you to write it out the way you really feel it and how you want to say it. And if you're mad about this, great. If you're angry, if you're sad, whatever, write it out. We're not reading it thinking, oh, the only thing that matters is a healthy baby and a mama. Of course it matters, but so do your feelings about yeah. it. And that's not all that matters. It's yeah. important for sure. Everybody wants that. You're not going to find a single person who ever gave birth who said, oh, it didn't matter that my kid was healthy. Yeah. That should just be default. That's a given. Right. Yeah. That's a given. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so even like with my calm labor students, I've really been really grateful how much I've learned from my VBAC lab students and walking through these different emotions. And we've had a very similar stats to the rest of the US when it comes to cesareans and repeat cesareans. And so I really love it. And I love you. And I appreciate it. I, I, I really love you. Know, I, harass love you her. I harass her when she doesn't come to happy hour. Like, where are you? She's like my mascot for the VBAC <laughs> lab, for sure. But yes, so I guess in it to wrap this up because we're already almost an hour which I knew would happen (laughs) most people don't like listening for this long so if you're still here thank you so much what would you say to that first time mom what would be the thing you would say to her I would say knowledge is power and I honestly would say find a community first if I had a community like the calm labor mamas raise up that would have been much more effective than this idea that I like painted birth to be because birth is not one way. It is not, there's no right way. There's no wrong way, but there's a way that like you come out of it feeling good and a way that you come out of it feeling like what the heck just happened to me. And community is huge. We're not meant to do this by ourselves. And I think clinically now, a lot of people like parenting and birth and pregnancy it's just like very isolating thing that like you do all alone but it's not supposed to be like that you're supposed to be there's supposed to be a village behind you and like in the VBAC lab like I had a village and the first time I had nobody so join it's so funny (laughs) it's so funny that you say that because I don't like I don't know if you know that we've opened up 
the community to everyone now, whether they're a student or not. Now, if they have the birth class, then they also get the labor bat signal because I can't do that for everyone because yeah, yeah. it is like Gina said sometimes we're up all night so <laughs> it's not guaranteed that we will be but it happens but we've opened up the community and the happy hours to the members who join our membership and I did that purposely because I see the power and I see the difference in my students who attend the happy hour and take advantage of all the workshops and the things that we provide, I see the difference than someone who just, yeah, who just takes my birth class and goes. So I totally agree with you. And I tell everybody when, when I do an open enrollment and I'm teaching, I tell them this class is different. I know you probably are thinking, oh, she just wants me to buy it, whatever. But it is 100% different. I know a lot of the other people who have birth classes. This is different. It's a different, it is an experience. Mm -hmm. It's not just a class. So I, that's really important to me that I want them to take the class, but at the very least join the membership. It's less than $20 a month and you get access to birth professionals and to each other, which I know a lot of you guys are like connected outside of labor nurse mama world. Oh yeah. Well. I still so, have friends. Like so once good. you're in it, you're in it for life. Like Yes. So you're never losing me. <laughs> nope. I won't let you. I, I make sure I'm not. But yes, thank you so much for coming on today. This meant so much to me because you are, me. I tell everybody Gina's my OG, my original gangsta student. <laughs> yes. Is, that's her. So if you guys have heard me talking about my OG student, this is her <laughs> here. She's been with me from the beginning. So we're so, th I'm just so thankful and I can't wait for all the girls to hear this. Thank Thanks you for, for coming Thanks for having today. me. It was fun. Happy friend anniversary. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we're, we are recording this right before Thanksgiving. Who knows when it will air, but so yes, true. right back at you. All right. Thank you. Bye. Okay, Mama, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Birth Experience with Labor Nurse Mama, where we broke down Gina's birth story. I love birth stories. I hope you do too. As always, hit subscribe, leave us a review, tell us what you want to hear and what you love about the podcast. Have a fantastic weekend. And as always, I'll see you again next Friday. Bye for now.